Hi, this is Jeff Cobra, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Welcome back to part two of our series, where it's 1971, and Walt Disney World is set to open. You have thousands of new cast members, most of whom have never seen a Disney theme park, and you need to orient them to that experience. The only problem is that the park isn't open or ready yet either, so how do you give them that understanding? Enter a series of handbooks put out by the University of Walt Disney World. In these handbooks, cast members were introduced to the setting in which they would work. There is one for each of the lands of the park plus the resort. In this podcast, we'll look at Adventureland. Imagine you're going to be a Jungle Cruise skipper, but you know nothing about the Jungle Cruise. Consider the idea that you are waking up, Jose, at the Tropical Serenade, but you've never seen an audio animatronic. We'll study this land and look at attractions, dining, retail entertainment, and guest services. If you yearn for the Walt Disney World of yesteryear, or you just want to know what Adventureland was back was like in the early days of the park, this is your podcast as we continue our efforts to celebrate the 150th anniversary of Walt Disney World. And by the way, let me just say this. Um, I just have felt really strongly over the last, um, and this is a little bit of a rabbit hole before we get into our Adventureland topic, but I just felt really strongly about the fact that the, that we're coming to the end of the first year. I imagine the celebration is going to last longer than a year. But we're coming toward the end of the first year of this 150th anniversary celebration. And like so many, I have to agree, it feels <sighs> lackluster. It just isn't as much as I had hoped it would be. And so when I heard that there was this new segment at the beginning of the Enchantment Fireworks, where... Um, they were going to do an homage to Walt, to Roy, and to the opening of Walt Disney World. I thought, okay, I've got to get out there and I've got to film this and experience this. So I got into a position very early last night to watch Enchantment. And then I waited. And then I waited. And I waited. And the longer I waited, the more the rain <laughs> increased and kept going and going. I waited about an hour and 40 minutes, about about 50 minutes past the time, the about, well, 9.50 or 50 minutes past the time the, the fireworks were supposed to start. Every 10 minutes, they will say, due to inclement weather, uh, Disney's enchantment has been delayed. You keep thinking maybe after every 10-minute announcement, they eventually say it's been canceled, especially as you see the lightning seemingly coming a little closer and a little closer. But they keep saying, well, actually, it, it didn't it, during the time I was there. I will not say I was doing lightning counts, and I never heard the lightning closer than 10 miles away. I am sure that if lightning was, was imminent or on top of us or within even a five-second count, they probably would have canceled um, just for the safety. But honestly, the safe thing for the people is just for them to decide it's too wet and for them to gradually move out of there and leave the park. Um, so I, I waited, I waited, and I waited. I have to say, there was this cast member I observed standing in front of the bridge 
to, to, our, to you know how the castle has two walkways leading up to it and she quietly did her job sitting in the rain just um, standing in front of this roped off area and answering questions as guests came by and so forth I, I, I went to go I thought she deserves you know a cast member recognition for what she has done. She has done uh, such an amazing job just standing there in this crazy rain, um, making not that much money um, per hour. And uh, I went to the cast compliment. You know, the, on the on the app, there's a place for cast compliment. The only problem is, is that they have you select from a pull-down list. They don't give you kind of a blank. So acknowledging our special day and making it more magical, um, remembering us and making us feel like family, making such a positive ex impact on my day. It's really hard to identify. <laughs> the only thing that came close to it was keeping us safe while we enjoyed our day. But even then, I wasn't really enjoying our day. Um, but hats off to the really, <laughs> the jobs where you don't get to be the hero, where you don't get to be in the limelight, you're just simply making sure that um, that um, guests are safe and that the and that the property has been secured and it's done their thing. And um, I hope to eventually get to this little intro piece uh, to the fireworks. I've tried to avoid watching it on YouTube because I wanted to see it for myself. And otherwise, I had a very enjoyable evening, and and so did my daughter while we were at the park. And um, so any rate, I just, I have to tell you that uh, cast members always play such an important role in the experience. Um, you could build the finest place in the world, but it takes people to make the dream a reality. So let's, let's begin with the Adventureland story. Uh, chapter one, Walt Disney had an abiding interest in other lands and peoples. In the film series, People and Places, Walt transported moviegoers to the four corners of the world and introduced them to other cultures. The Academy Award-winning True Life Adventures examined wildlife and their natural habitats and made that ex examination entertaining. Now, if you did not live during that time period, you probably are looking at People and Places, True Life Event. What is that all about? And um, I don't blame you for being confused because... Um, these are very old um, program series. Um, this would have been a Disney Plus um, thing nowadays. But um, and and people places. I really only the only time I ever saw that was they would add portions of that to the Mickey Mouse Club show. I'm sure schools could order a 16 millimeter reel and show it as well. But I don't remember that as well. I did watch many a 16 reel of the True Life Adventures. And by the way, you know, Walt Disney won more Academy Awards than anyone has ever won. Uh, even Steven Spielberg and others, he won a ton of awards. And I, John Williams was getting up there, I think. But I don't think he surpassed him. But part of the reason was, is he put himself down as producer for each of the True Life Adventures. Didn't sit out there in Alaska or in the jungle filming these, but he was the producer and he kept getting best documentary and that racked up his academy award so back in the day if you were trying to help new cast members figure out what this thing was like the thing you had to hearken them to was the thing they were familiar with and the thing they were familiar with was watching either of these two series 
Adventureland takes its cue from Walt's interest in faraway places. The moment you enter the area, you are transported to distant ports of call, from the shores of the South Seas to the bazaars of North Africa, the theme is one of exotic areas, from riding a small launch along jungle rivers to joining a serenade of the tropics, the feeling is one of excitement. Um, the excitement is heightened by dining on a Polynesian terrace or buying handmade goods from the Middle East. Now, just uh, a little bit, you makes me wonder if this wasn't copied and pasted well, they didn't copy and paste back then, but they probably took it from a similar handbook that was made at Disneyland. Because you can, at that time, dine at the Polynesian Terrace and watch a, um, a luau show while you did it, all within um, about an hour and a half um, dining on your uh, sweet and sour chicken. But um, there has never been a Polynesian Terrace. There are actually one in Tokyo Disney, um, and that's the only park, those two parks were the only ones that have had a Polynesian Terrace. So I kind of think this is kind of taking a cue from that. Adventureland is many lands and continents blended into a magical mixture, a trip around the world for you and every guest. Chapter two, the Adventureland stage. I'm not going to read this again because it's actually the same dialogue. Remember, I think what was happening is if you worked in Adventureland, you got one, but they wanted to tell you that the ground level is this whole utilidor underneath. And it talks about finding accounting, main files, the mailroom, lock and key control, the photo laboratory, the print shop. None of these things were in the Adventureland portion. And actually, the utilidor is a really interesting thing because in what it is, is you enter from Pinocchio's village house and it's a straight shot down Main Street and then there are some smaller circles toward Town Square, which is where most of the shops listed are located. Then there's a whole segment that goes way out to Tomorrowland and then comes on back in and does this whole loop. It goes out toward um, uh, Cosmic Rays and Astro Orbiter, all that section. And then there is, in fact, I think I heard that in order to supply hot dogs at Casey's, sometimes what they're doing is they're making hot dogs over at Astro Orbiter um, and then and then carting them over to Casey's, likely in the Utilidor to keep them um, so they can get uh, through there quickly. And then there's a segment that begins around Peter Pan's flight, comes around the back of the Hall of Presidents, and then um, extends toward uh, the Liberty Inn and the Diamond Horseshoe, and then takes a turn and goes along these shops and goes all the way just past uh, Tropical Serenade, or the Enchanted Tiki Room as we now know it, and and kind of ends there. So it does, there is a utilidor that borders that. It, it um, and a break room on the Adventureland Inn. So, so that's kind of what the, the ground level area actually does look like in Adventureland. Uh, chapter three, attractions, Jungle Cruise. Take a last look at civilization. You may never see it again. So says the skipper on the 30 passenger Jungle Cruise launch. With that warning, guests depart on one of our 16 river launches. 
Yeah, I'm missing a few of those 16 boats. That's a lot of boats. I haven't seen 16 in a while. But at any rate, maybe they're there. I haven't seen them. Anyway, and embark from a two-story shelter for an exciting voyage through the jungle. Okay, so this has always been a riddle to me because at um, Disneyland, there's a set of staircases in the queue that take you up on the roof of the building and you kind of file along there and then come back down to finally board your ship. Here we have a truly enclosed, I mean, open air, but enclosed, roof-covered, second story. And there's no stairs to get up there. And no, um, I, it seems like they never took advantage of being able, and I, I wonder maybe they didn't like how the guests were viewing from that top. Maybe they thought it was a, uh, an issue with guests with mobility challenges, although they didn't see that was an issue at Disneyland. So it's a little confusing why they never took advantage of uh, the two-story shelter as a entire queue. All the jungle launches are named after tropical rivers in Africa, Asia, and South America. This jungle river winds through the African veldt past Asian temple ruins, charging hippos, and hungry crocodiles. Along the way, they will be thrilled by fearsome natives and watch members of a lion family feast on a fresh kill. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah hey kids let's go watch a lion feast out of fresh kill um and yes the natives are gone they will be amazed by trumpeting african elephants and pass under plunging waters of schweitzer falls so close that passengers can feel the mist from the churning waters in an exotic rainforest guests will be treated to croaking antics of giant bullfrogs and the fragile beauty of large butterflies. Actually, the bullfrogs are still there. I've never heard them croak. But it, you'll have to pay attention on the right side of the boat in the first portion where you go through the rainforest. There are a couple of bullfrogs there. There are also a couple of bullfrogs on the rivers of America, too, because they need to be represented, I guess. Goes on to say, there will be many moments of humor too when guests will be treated to a scene of madcap merriment as a band of exhilarated gorillas take over a deserted safari camp. Farther along is a frustrated rhinoceros keeping watch at the base of a tree where he has forced an entire safari party to seek refuge. Waiting around the final bend to welcome guests back to civilization is salesman Sam, the South American headhunter. His motto, one of yours for two of mine. Um, salesman Sam, I've not heard as an expression. Trader Sam, of course. We've heard more. I've never heard him referred to as a South American headhunter. And I, that's a little confusing because we actually leave. We have just left the, the, um, the uh, Indian elephants where they are playing with their trunks on. So I, I was surprised that that section was considered to be South America. At any rate, it is what it is. And yeah, Sam's gone. Swiss Family Island Trail. But I got to tell you, let me just stop and say this about the Jungle Cruise. I, If you've been on the one there and been on the one at Disneyland, the defining difference is that there is this Cambodian temple before you get to the Indian River um, elephants. 
And those elephants, or the, that, I'm sorry, that Cambodian river temple, I think is one of the very coolest parts. And if you look at early uh, artist work, graphic work, symbolic uh, work of the park, where they tried to kind of give you a sense of what each of the lens were, they often drew the, the tears of that Cambodian tower. So it was kind of, kind of very cool. At any rate, I, I love that portion of it, and they kind of embellished it a little with the recent changes. If you've been to the Tokyo Disney one, they do a whole light projection thing, which is so cool. I think they need to do it here. Um, at any rate, I love the Cambodian temple. Swiss Family Island Treehouse. The treehouse, which towers high above Adventureland, features replicas from the sets used in the movie Swiss Family Robinson, written by Jean Rudolph Weiss. Walt Disney Productions released the film version, Swiss Family Robinson, in 1961. Again, they're trying to hearken back to something that cast members would have been familiar with at that time. It is built of structured steel, concrete, and fiberglass, the tree itself having 400,000 hand-painted leaves and blossoms, also made of fiberglass. I think they had paint spray by then. I don't think they literally took a brush individually. The treehouse affords a bird. Uh, sorry, let's start over. The treehouse affords guests a bird's eye view of the Jungle Cruise and Adventureland area, as well as panoramic scenes of the Magic Kingdom. That still is true today, if you can, um, if you get the right position. I love the Swiss Family Treehouse, and uh, it really hasn't changed much. I'll try to put a video of it in there. Uh, in my show notes at disneyatplay.com. So check that out as well as an early map of it, a couple of images, including Orange Bird. I'll talk about Orange Bird. Well, it's time to talk about Orange Bird because we're at the Tropical Serenade located in the Sunshine Pavilion is a South Seas musical extravaganza. This was Disney's first audio animatronic show, which took over 10 years to develop and first appeared in Disneyland in 1963. It features 225 audio animatronic performers. You know what? That's still true today. If you sit there and you count all those flowers that sing and all those birds that sing and whistle and everything, and tikis, you have a ton you have a ton of animatronics in this show. They're more simplified, but that's probably the magic of this show is that there's it, everything seems to come to life. Birds, flowers, tiki drummers, and tiki gods are brought to life by a magnetic tape with 14 tracks controlling 438 separate actions. Guests seated in theater are completely surrounded by the colorful sights and sounds of an imaginary tropical paradise. There is a defining difference of, uh, of the Tiki Room in Disneyland is more of a cross-shaped room. The one at Walt Disney World is more of an octagon shape with um, scenes, four scenes that look out over the tropical seas and the mountains or volcanoes in the background. And I love this little feature. It's It's... It's not the most convincing thing, but it really sets a magical feel to to it. In, in Disneyland, if you've never done it, all they have are these kind of um, uh, windows that are kind of uh, shaded, and behind it they have um, thin strips of plastic that they shake during the storm. So it does kind of look like rain on the other side. It's, it's a convincing little 
little technique for for as little money as invested in it but but again it's 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 not it's not as good as tropical sand now i'll say one thing is i think that the lighting job at at um disneyland is far better and they use a fountain here we're having a little bit of smoke and the lighting is not nearly as good chapter four eating in adventureland the adventureland veranda this tropical island veranda with its wicker by the way this is where um the um, skipper canteen is today this tropical island veranda with its wicker chairs and palm covered roofs features several for variations of polynesian food it is a fast food operation and the menu includes sweet and sour pork and chicken combinations lots of sweet and sour back there in the 60s and 70s folks that was about all you ended up eating when you ate something Polynesian. Ribs, chicken, and shrimp, tempura combinations, and several beverage choices. Most of the food served at the 12 serving windows is prepared in the central food facility. This is the food division's first attempt at themed exotic food items in a fast food operation. Let me just stop and say, this is why the veranda is not around today. Nothing says, nothing says tropical, like like preparing Polynesian food, sweet and sour chicken in a central food facility. Ugh. It did have a lovely setting at the time. I think Skipper's Canteen is a far better setting and it's broken up. It, back then it was just one very, very large room. Um, now it's broken up into, well, kind of three rooms plus the portion that went over to Club 33 next door. Next door is the Veranda Juice Bar, um, which will feature, this is Aloha Isle today, the Veranda Juice Bar, which will feature a trop, special tropical punch, novelty ice cream, and an exotic sandwich. Uh, the, at this time, I don't think pineapple... I don't think the Dole Whip came in until the later part of the 70s. It was introduced to Disneyland first when Dole took over as sponsor of that pavilion in Disneyland. But it didn't. But Sunshine Tree Terrace was sponsored. It goes on to say Sunshine Tree Terrace is sponsored by the Florida Citrus Commission and is situated in a tropical setting in the Hawaiian Islands. Its specialty will be several types of citrus drinks and citrus salads. Um, in truth, um, and that's what you got, was a lot of stuff done with orange juice concentrate. Um, or maybe, maybe a little bit of pineapple juice concentrate. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think Florida citrus grows. Lemon, lemon. Um, and that's the thing. By the way, I was also going to mention Orange Bird. This was played by actually one particular cast member, and she was assigned to this role because of her particular size and how she fit into the costume is it's a fairly petite body with a very very large head that would walk around and greet guests and take pictures with them um it's hard to get a hug with orange bird because orange bird's head was so big but that was a big part of the experience there chapter five shopping around the adventureland bazaar guests will enjoy the Feely is shopping in far in a Far Eastern bazaar, which here has been divided into four separate areas. The Tiki Tropic Shop, the Magic Carpet, Traders of Timbuktu, and the Oriental Imports. 
Limited will afford guests the opportunity to purchase unusual items themed to the Adventureland area. At the Tiki Tropic Shop, this section features Polynesian gifts and exotic apparel. It also features Hawaiian perfumes, candles, and shell jewelry. Magic Carpet, this section will sell Mid-Eastern brassware, Indian rugs, bags, clothing, and incense burners, as well as other unusual items. Oriental Imports, in this section, guests will find Oriental Imports such as Buddhas, Jade, and Ivory Jewelry, Hopi Coats, Kimonos, and other unique soft good items. It sounds almost like they were putting Native American goods in there. That's a little weird. Traders of Timbuktu, this section features African wood carvings, idols, posters, and necklaces, which Disney buyers have purchased from the dark continent of Africa. Tropic Toppers, guests will find Adventureland-themed hats and handbags in this shop, some of which are made of natural textured straw. <laughs> I just think that's so authentic sounding. The hats here sold are both functional and decorative. And then we have Colonel Hathi's African Village. Those, by the way, are in those that little shop area. Now Aladdin and Jasmine has been doing meet and greets. The rest of the shops have not opened. Those shops, in fact, I actually I noticed that what they've been doing is they emptied out that area and have been using it as a uh, photo op area with some backdrops for the Halloween party. They'll probably do the same at Christmas. A little disappointing that that has come back, but honestly, I'm not sure how this is going to come back because I just don't think there's that interest anymore. Colonel Hathi's African Village. This is where the, um, um, the sunglass hut sits now. This freestanding thatched roof hut, well, it says freestanding, so maybe this wasn't that, but... It says this free-standing thatched hot roof hot will feature Hawaiian shirts, complete hunters' khaki outfits, and bush hats, and is located near the Swiss Family Trio. So actually, on the diagram on the map, it actually shows it um, as being, uh, uh, yeah, well, it shows on the 1973 guide map. I'm ordering a 1971 guide map to see what it looks like. On the 19... 73 it shows as the oasis so it's already changed its um title and of course colonel hathi was the leader of the elephant um group in the jungle book young guests will also be able to purchase snakes gorillas and tarantulas made of rubber interestingly there is no conversation about entertainment in this particular uh, handbook. There is in the other handbooks, but not in this one. Um, the earliest real entertainment, other than the Disney characters appearing, and uh, for all intents and purposes, I would have guessed that Colonel Hathi, which is a two-man operation, appeared along with uh, with uh, Baloo and King Louie. Um, those were probably the walk-around characters. The steel drum band really comes as part of the Pirates of the Caribbean, which doesn't open until a couple of years later and then really extends Africa. Now, if you think that, well, that's a small land. It was the smallest land in the Magic Kingdom. But you have to also understand that this land, as it was built here, actually was pretty sizable compared to the Disneyland version. Both the Jungle Cruise is longer and just simply the public square footage area is much bigger. 
that concludes our Disney at Play podcast for um, this ongoing series on the handbooks of Walt Disney World. Uh, check out our other podcasts. We had a very interesting podcast this week that dealt with um, what attractions have opened and not opened. And we are going to talk next Monday is my plan to provide you a po- or Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesdays and Fridays is what I'm looking for. And I'm looking to do a podcast that will uh, talk about what's coming or what I predict might come to D23 in a couple of weeks, which begins two weeks from today. So make sure you check that out on Tuesday morning, Tuesdays and Fridays. Do what we can to get you podcasts. In the meantime, in the words of Sinbad, Storybook Voyage, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We'll see you real soon.